nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And you may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to you about that subject that you see on the screen. I just sort of pulled out a phrase here in Galatians chapter four. And I want to talk to you about this subject. A child differeth nothing from a servant. A child differeth nothing from a servant. And so let's pray and ask God to help us tonight and give us some understanding. And we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being at Calvary. Uh, Lord, this evening, thank you for the great day that you've given us. Lord, a wonderful crowd this morning. And and, and, uh, and Lord, on top of that, just a, a wonderful, wonderful spirit. And we thank you for that. And God, we're thankful for the decisions that were made some really good decisions in the uh, service this morning, and we're so thankful for that. And God, I pray that you'll help us to be committed to our decisions. Father, we need help with the home. And uh, Lord, I, I pray tonight that you would once again direct our attention to the home and to our kids and to our parents. And, and Father, I pray that you'd give us strong homes. The church will only be as strong as the home is strong. And if our homes are uh, are terribly weak. Lord, our churches are going to be weak. And they are, unfortunately, Lord, sadly. Many, many, many churches in America are weak. And uh, Lord, even more sad, uh, many churches are closing the doors. 7,000 a year, I think the number is. 7,000 churches a year will close their doors for the last time. And so, Lord, I, I, we're not above that. We acknowledge we're not above that. God, we also acknowledge we need your help. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. Lord, breathe upon us this evening. And I pray that the Bible study would make sense. I pray it would be pleasing to you. I pray it would honor your son. And I pray, God, that it would be a, a help and encouragement to your people that are, are here tonight and those that are watching by way of the live stream. And so, Lord, please meet with us in a great way now. We love you and praise you, ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen, amen. So I want to be uh, real quick. I'm not preaching on this tonight, but I want to be real quick to say this, that we understand that the context and context in the Word of God is very, very important. The context of Galatians chapter 4 is actually salvation by grace through faith. What Paul is teaching here in Galatians chapter 4 and Galatians as a whole is that we are absolutely not saved by the works of the law. If you want to get really technical with it, neither were the Old Testament saints. They weren't saved by the works of the law either. The law, the law was established to show man his imperfection, pointing to the fact that he needs a redeemer. 
He cannot redeem himself by the works of the law. No man can, can keep the works of the law. And then Jesus said this, if you fell in one, you fell in all of them. And so the law was, was, was put there not to condemn us necessarily, but it was put there to show us that we cannot save ourselves and that we need a redeemer. As the Old Testament saints practice the law, because you hear a lot about that in the book of Galatians, you hear about the law. As the Old Testament saints practice the law, they did so as an act of faithful obedience, pointing to the reality that God was going to send his Savior into the world. That's really what it's all about. And so every time, let me see if I can break this down for you just a little bit. So every time, as you read the Old Testament, every time that that Israelite dad would sacrifice a lamb, what he was saying was, he was saying to his family that there is going to come a day when God will provide himself a sacrifice, that God is going to send a Messiah. And so again, just so we're clear, then we'll jump into the, into the message tonight. Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward in faith to what Christ would do on the cross. And so the law showed them their need as they gave those sacrifices. They were looking ahead to the time when God was going to send the Messiah. The Messiah was going to die on the cross for their sins. And so as they looked ahead toward faith, they were saved by that faith, by looking ahead, you say, Pastor, it's so complicated. Not really. Because actually, we're saved in the exact same way. We're just saved by looking back. They were saved by looking ahead to what he would do. We're saved by looking back to what he did do. And so it's the exact same thing. And so this passage in Galatians chapter 4 primarily deals with the doctrine of salvation. But if we're not careful... It's easy to miss what I would call some secondary truths that I believe can be very helpful to the home. I want to draw your attention to Galatians chapter 4. And again, I'm going to try to pick up the speed here and work our way through this. But I want you to look at verse number 1. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, or Galatians chapter 4, Galatians 4 and verse 1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Watch, watch verse 2. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Now, you may not know it, and you, you, hopefully you will know it here in just a little bit, but we just read a very, very important passage of Scripture. Now, what's this referring to in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2? Well, under Greek and Roman culture, there was a ceremony called the toga virilis where a father would determine that his boy had finally reached an age of becoming a mature man. This young man was now capable of making adult decisions. And so the father would plan a big ceremony, the toga virilis. And in that ceremony, he would write, uh, invite grandma to come and grandpa to come. And he would invite aunts and uncles and cousins and relatives. And they would come from all over the area to this, uh, uh, to this big family celebration, the toga virilis. And in this ceremony, the father would formally place a toga, or if we could put it like this, a robe of manhood around his son. 
Picturing that his son had now become a man. Now stay with me. We're just building some foundation. Under this current culture, that child that was honored in that ceremony would one day be recognized as the heir. H-E-I-R. The heir. He would, be, he would eventually receive all that his father and family possessed. And I'll be honest, he'd even go a little step further than that. He would become sort of the, he, he would become the leader of the family of sorts. So he was very special because he was a son. But as long as he was a child, he was treated no differently than a servant. In fact, I, I love Dr. J. Vernon McGee's note on this. I want to read it for you. Dr. McGee said it like this. In a Roman home, servants had charge of different possessions of the master. You say, Pastor, what in the way? Stay with me. Don't, don't get impatient. Stay with me. In a Roman home, servants had charge of different possessions of the master. Some had charge of the chattels or the real estate. Others of the livestock. Others kept books for the master. And others had charge of his children. When a little one was born into the home, the servants cared for him and dressed him, interesting, and dressed him in play clothes so that he did not look any different from the children of the servants with whom he was playing. Not only that, but as the heir, it was important that he obey the servants just like the other children did. Now look back at your Bibles, Galatians chapter four, verse number two. The Bible says about this heir, about this, this child that is a child of the master. Uh, verse number two, the Bible says about this child, but he's under tutors and governors. The word tutors there is not the, the word that you and I think about. We think about tutors, we think about a teacher or someone that comes over to coach our, our kid on math or English or something like that. The word tutors in Galatians chapter four and verse number two means domestic manager. It was the servant, if you will, that cared for the house. So these children who were heirs were made subject to the domestic managers of the house. Not only that, but the Bible says he was under governors. What is a governor, preacher? Not like the governor of North Carolina. The word governor there means house distributor or what we would call a treasurer. Now again, boy, I hope you'll, I hope you'll trust me and hang with me because this is really beautiful. So that means this, the heir, because he was a child, would one day gain access to all of the family treasury. But as long as he was a child, his funds were limited by the governor because he was under tutors and he was under governors. So he says, wait a minute. But he's the child of the master. And someone says, that's right. But in this culture, he was placed under the domestic manager and he was placed under the house distributor. He was a child securing him as the heir. But until that time officially came, he was treated as a servant. You say, pastor, big deal? Pretty big. Because if you really, if you, if you study this out and read between the lines, we learn some great, great lessons that this system taught these children who were going to be the future heirs of their family. 
I want to give you three of them tonight quickly if I could. Number one, it taught them the importance of humility. Now, you're following me? So here's this kid who's got a very powerful Roman daddy. Maybe he's a centurion, which means he's got 100 soldiers underneath him. He's got servants, he's got slaves. He tells them what to do, where to go, uh, and, and he orders them around. And here's this child that, that is a, a legitimate child of this Roman centurion, a very powerful man. And yet the Bible says in their culture, until he reached that age where they celebrated the toga virilis, he would take that child and that child was placed under tutors and under governors. He, was, uh, he had to submit himself to those house managers and those domestic managers managers. You know what it did? It taught this child who would one day become the heir. It taught them the importance of humility. You see, humility and submission is a very real part of life. Even when you're the leader. Somebody says, boy, I hope one of these days I get to be the leader and I won't have to listen to anybody. By the way, if that's your attitude, you'll never become the leader. And if you did become the leader, you wouldn't become a good leader. By the way, that's the whole idea behind this scripture. That's why they, that's why they, uh, uh, why they live by this system. Uh, it taught the child humility and it taught the child uh, submission. D- uh, listen, uh, listen, kids, I want to help you tonight. Did you know there are some people that you're always going to have to submit to? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter if you're a supervisor, business owner. It doesn't matter if you're the preacher or the pastor. It doesn't matter who you are. There are some people that you're always going to have to submit to. For instance, the police officer has to submit to the police captain. But the police captain has to submit to the police chief. The police chief has to submit to the mayor. And the mayor has to submit to the governor. And the governor has to submit to the president. And the president has to submit to the Congress. And the Congress is supposed to submit to the American people. By the way, last time I checked, we don't work for them. They work for us. Now, again, uh, there's a system of checks and balances, a a system of, of humility. Our American culture is now a train wreck. We are a train wreck. We are an absolute disaster, and I'll tell you why. Because many parents have failed in teaching their kids the importance of humility. Humility. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 18, verse number 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and light. Now, let me tell you what humility says. Humility says this. Humility says, I'm as good as every person. But it doesn't stop there. But humility says, but every person is as good as as me. Now, uh, again, I, I know some of you don't understand what I'm about to tell you, but when I was, when I was growing up, it was a different, it was a different generation. We're, we have this conversation often, Miss Tammy and I do. We're living in a different culture altogether now. We're living in a different generation. 
Younger parents bringing up their kids uh, totally different than the way that, that I was raised when I was coming up. And my mom and dad may be watching tonight and, and they can confirm what I'm going to tell you tonight. But I want to give you some for instances tonight. For instance, when I was growing up, we were taught to show humility to our elders. To our elders. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 5 says it like this. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Leviticus chapter 19, verse number 32. The Bible says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. What does that mean? Hoary head. It means those gray hairs, those, those people that have gray hairs. What's the Bible teaching? That we ought to respect our elders. We ought to respect those folks that are older than well, you say, preacher, uh, they, they look funny and they walk funny. And, uh, and by the way, you'll walk funnier too when you get to be that age. And uh, they're a little stooped over. And, and sometimes they have to cup their ear to hear. And they can't hear as well as they used to. And they're not as active as they used to be. And, and a lot of times in our society, in our generation, if we're not careful, we take those older people, that older generation, and we sort of shove them over in the corner. And we say, listen, if we need you, we'll call you but until we call you don't mess with us we know how to do church we know how to do America we know how to do business and the, uh, and the truth of the matter is we are so messed up in America because somewhere along the line we have excluded our older generation we're to respect our elders we were taught as children that older people went first this is old school preaching tonight that means when I come to the door and an elder is at the door, they go in first. Yes, By the way, that's still appropriate. Yeah, right. We were taught that the older people receive the best seat. Yeah. So if we get on a crowded bus and, and I've got a seat and there's an older lady that's standing holding on, you know what the proper thing to do? The proper thing is for me to get up and say, would you like to have a seat? It's what you do. That's, that, 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 that's, that's what you do. We were taught that older people were given the highest honor. I remember my mom telling me, and here again, I think it, I think it, was, I think it was mom. I don't think it was my grandmother. I think it was my mom that told me this about herself, not her, not her, grand, not her mother. But she said, honey, she said, when we used to take a bath, and I guess they had uh, sometimes they had a certain night that they would take baths. It's just, it's different than it is now. Some of our older folk didn't even enjoy indoor plumbing. They knew what a, they knew what a Johnny house was all about. We're so spoiled right now, right now man. We, 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 we uh, think we're going to have a nervous breakdown if our cell phone doesn't work for five minutes. I mean, you know. These folks didn't even have running water in the house. And mama said that when they got ready to take baths, they would draw the water, they would heat the water, draw the water, they'd put it in an old uh, bathtub, and then this was the order of the event that night. Dad would bathe first. Daddy would get in first, and he would wash. Then mom would get in. After dad had bathed and mom had bathed, then the oldest child would get in next. And then the next, and then the next. And mom said, sometimes when it was our turn, 
the water was already dark. Now, you say, <laughs> preacher, you say, that's sickening. Well, you never lived back in that generation. But I'm, again, I'm trying to make a point, and the point I'm trying to make is this. You know what they were teaching? You know what they were teaching those kids? They were teaching them that, uh, the importance of humility and that we're to show humility to our elders. We were taught not to interrupt older people when they were speaking. And by the way, when we did finally say something, we were to say, yes, sir, and no, sir. Amen. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We were to show respect when we talked to our elders. But now, you know what I'm telling you is the truth. Now, we're knocking older people down. We're beating them up. We're cutting them off. We're butting in. We're getting so angry because they drive a little slower. And, uh, and, uh, and with somewhere along the line, we have lost our humility when it comes to our older generation. Humility, humility. We were taught to show humility to elders. I'll tell you something else. We were taught to show humility to leadership. Now, this is all lost. We were taught to show humility to leadership. What do you mean, pastor? Police officers. When a police officer, listen, when you got the blue light special in your rearview mirror, and a police officer walks up to your window, you always show respect. You say, I didn't like it. Don't have a thing to do with it. You say, preacher, I don't, I, I don't think he clocked me right. It doesn't matter. You can hash all that out later on. But I'm just telling you, that when, when a police officer walks up to your window and says, can I see your license and registration, that doesn't mean reach between the seats. It doesn't mean start fumbling underneath the, uh, underneath the seat. And, uh, and listen, we were taught that, that when, 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 you, uh, when, when you saw a police officer, that even if you didn't agree and even if you didn't like it, you were to submit. We were taught to show humility to leadership. How about this, school teachers? Well, if I got in trouble with the school teacher, I got in trouble with mom and dad when I got home. If my mom and dad sent, or, or if, if my teacher sent a bad report home or demerits home or a bad note home, my mom and dad didn't trot up to the school and cuss the teacher out. I got in trouble at home because my teacher gave me a bad report. We were taught to show humility to leadership, not only police officers and school teachers, but we were taught to show humility to preachers. Did you know that I had a mom and a dad that insisted that we listen? And we were kids and man, didn't want to, didn't want to sit still. But I can remember my mom and dad. Boy, I'm telling you, I, I can remember at the Front Street, uh, Front Street Baptist Church in uh, uh, Statesville, North Carolina. And we didn't go there long uh, before we left and went to Eufaula. That's just, that's just a little thing. But you know what? Some memories are etched in your mind forever. And there was a night in the old auditorium there at Front Street Baptist Church and evidently I was misbehaving and my dad had told me to behave and I didn't listen and he told me to behave and I didn't listen and I can remember finally my dad just got a snoot full and, and he, he took a hold of me and he started pulling me out and I was holding on to the pew and you say, preacher, why were you holding on? Because I knew what was coming. Yeah, right. 
And I can remember daddy yanking on me and I was holding on to the pew with everything I had and dad, and of course dad won and yanked me out and I can remember I can take you to the holly bush if it's still there. <laughs> and dad took me out beside that holly bush and he wore me out. Yes, sir. Wore me out. By the way, back then, when you got a spanking, you didn't stay out of the service. They brought you back in. <laughs> Everybody knew. Nobody had to guess, you know. Wonder what happened to him. They knew what happened. And they'd bring you back in and sit you back down in the pew. And, uh, and, and, and by the way, if you didn't listen again, they'd take you out again. And uh, until you got it right, they'd take you out. And, and you say, preacher, I feel so sorry for you. Brother, don't feel sorry for me. I'm so thankful that I had a mom and dad who loved me enough and cared enough to try to raise me up right in the house of the Lord. I can remember mom, and you've heard me say this, I can remember mom thumping our ear. I'd be sitting in front of mama and we'd get a little misbehaved and I can remember my little mama, little meek, meek mama, she'd cock that finger like a 45. <laughs> Man, I mean, I, <laughs> I believe my ear went for 60 seconds. No, I'm talking no. Now, again, we're being a little, a little humorous tonight, but you know what I'm saying? I had a mom and dad who taught me humility. I'll tell you something else. We had, I remember this. I wrote this down in the outline. I remember we had a visiting preacher at Ufola Baptist Church, and he was country, country. And Brother Johnson had him come in and speak, and, and I remember all that night he was talking about the power of God, but he didn't say power. He said power. Power, power. You need the power, the power of God. That next day, we were, me and a friend, we were sort of making fun. And we were kidding around about that preacher saying, Pyre. And I remember my mama. My mama got on to us and she said, You better, you better watch what you say. By the way, if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and I know I'm not, there's a story in the Word of God where the Bible says a group of children came out and they begin to, they begin to mock the prophet. They begin to mock the man of God because he was bald. Come up, thou bald head. Come up, thou bald head. And the Bible says that God sent two she-bears out of the woods. And, and the Bible says they tore those little kids up and ate those little kids up. Now, what are, you, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we were taught humility. We were to show humility to police officers. We were to show humility. By the way, if we'd get back to these things in America, we'd be a whole lot better off. Humility to school teachers. Humility to preachers. Humility to parents. We were taught to show humility to parents. I can remember, let me see if I can help you tonight. I can remember once sassing my mama. Once. And that was in a car. I was in the back seat. Mom and dad were in the front. And I can't remember all that happened. I just know that mom said something and I smarted off to her. And the next thing I knew, my dad was in the driver's seat behind the steering wheel. And the next thing I knew, my dad's big hand was coming back across the seat and he jacked my jaws. You say, Pastor, that's terrible. No, it's not terrible. I can guarantee you this, it never happened again. You know what I thought about too? You know what I thought about? I'm so glad that day when I sassed my mama that my daddy didn't say, son, I'm gonna send you time out. Yeah. 
You better not sass your mom. I'm going to send you to your, your room so you can play video games and so you can put your earbuds in and so you can listen to music and so you can watch television. And, uh, you, better, you better not sass your mom. I'm going to send you to your room. Uh, uh, you, better not, you better not sass your mom. I'm going to put you in timeout. No, we didn't know what timeout was back then. We didn't know what going to your room was back then, but we knew what an old-fashioned spanking was all about. Amen. That's old school, isn't it? But we were a lot better off when we were doing that thing. They said, preacher, I don't, you know, I, I don't like that. Let me tell you, let me tell you why, parents, let me tell you why it's so important that you teach your kids the hard lesson of humility now. Everybody listen to me? Because if you fail to teach them humility they're going to have a difficult time later submitting to a holy God concerning salvation. Did you know that salvation is all about humility? Did you know that salvation is saying, I can't do it by myself. I can't save myself. I, I can't redeem my soul. Salvation is coming to a holy God and saying, God, I am a sinner. I'm lost. I'm on my way to hell. I need you to save me. I need you to redeem me. And if you don't teach your kids humility now, they're going to have a hard time submitting to a holy God later. So true, so true. Dr. Tom Williams was preaching a meeting just tell you how things are. He's preaching a meeting, and, and, and at the end, of the, uh, end of the message, he gave an invitation for salvation. And there was a lady that walked out. She was decked. I mean, affluent, had a lot of money. You could tell she had a lot of money. And, um, and, and she came forward, and Brother Williams met her, and he said, yes, ma'am. He said, what may I do for you? And she said, well, she said, you know, I heard you preaching. She said, Pastor, I'd like to be saved. And he, he discerned, and he said, well, that's wonderful. That is so great. He said, that's great. He says, come on, let's get down here, and let's get this thing straight. And so Brother Williams got down on the altar, and he turned around. He's all by himself. That lady was still standing there. So he thought, well, maybe she didn't understand. So he got back in, and he said, now, you told me you wanted to come get saved. She said, that's right. He said, I, that, great. I thought maybe I misunderstood. Great. He said, come on, let's get down here, and let's get it settled. And he got down on the altar. He's all by himself. And he went back up again and he said, I'm sorry, what'd you say? She said, I want to get saved. And she said this, does everybody have to kneel to get saved? And Dr. Williams said, not everybody, but you do. You do. Because if you're not willing to submit, if you're not willing to humble yourself, you're going to have a hard time submitting yourself to a holy God. Salvation requires humility. And I want, you to, I want you to hold your place there, but I want you to turn over with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. By the way, this is the longest point, longest point. We get past this, we're home free tonight. Uh, but I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I want to show you what I believe is probably one of the greatest stories on humility that you're going to find in the entire Word of God outside of Jesus. 1 Samuel chapter 17, in your Bibles, very interesting story. The Bible says the Israelites are preparing for battle against the Philistines. Most of you know the story. They have a champion. His name is called Goliath. And they have, they have brought themselves together for battle. 
And in the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find that David is, is younger. His brothers have went off to battle. His brothers have went off to war. But David, because David is young, is kept at home serving as a shepherd. But as we read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find something very significant happening. You say, what is it, preacher? Well, we find that, De that Jesse, David's daddy, sends David to furnish his brothers with some refreshments. Now, let's pick up the story, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look at verse number 17. The Bible says, And Jesse said unto, uh, unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. Look at verse 18. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare. Look at this last part. And take their pledge. So Jesse says to David, David, I want you to run down to the battle lines. I want you to check on your brothers. He said, take these cheeses to the captain. And he said, I want, you to, I want you to check on your brothers, your older brothers. And he said, I want you to take their pledge. You know what that means? The word pledge there means this. It is the idea of exchange. He says, David, I want you to go down to your brothers. I want you to leave them with fresh supplies. And I want you to bring back the dirty dishes. Now you check it out for yourself. That's what Jesse's saying. Go down there and take their order. Take them this fresh food, this fresh supply. Get all their dirty utensils. They haven't washed them. They've been too big. I'm sure they haven't washed them. You gather up all these dirty utensils and you bring them back to me. Go, go down there and take their place. You say, Pastor, what is so amazing about that story? Are you all ready? This happens after David has been anointed the next king of Israel. Would you look in your Bibles, go back one page, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number six. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, verse number six, and it came to pass when they, talking about, uh, talking about Samuel and Jesse, Samuel the prophet, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab, David's brother, and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called a minadam and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Verse 9. Then Jesse made Shaman to pass by. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are all thy children, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, redheaded. And with all of a beautiful countenance, handsome to look at, and goodly to look to, he was pleasant and agreeable. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. You know what the prophet said? This is the next king of Israel. This is he. 
And yet Jesse takes the next king of Israel, little David, and sends him down to the, to the front lines to take his brother's pledge. You say, preacher, what is going on? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. Jesse is making the future king of Israel serve his brothers. He's teaching him the hard lesson on humility. Now, again, this is my longest point. We're almost done here tonight. But I want to say this, parents, it is imperative that you teach your kids to be humble. They need to respect their elders. They need to respect their leaders. You say, preacher, they don't want to. They don't have a choice. They don't have a choice. And by the way, they don't know. They don't know how to do it themselves. That's why God gave them parents. And so we see, first of all, the importance of humility. Quickly tonight, number two, we see the importance of an honest day's work. Galatians chapter four and verse number one. Look what our Bible says. Galatians 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. You say, Pastor, what does a servant do? He serves. This is not deep preaching. A servant works. A servant serves. We notice here in Galatians chapter 4 that they're under tutors. That's the domestic manager. That's the person that, that, that takes care of the domestic chores. And so, parents, you know what that means? You ought to teach your kids how to take care of domestic chores. Your kids ought to know how to clean. Your kids ought to know how to sweep. Teach them how to sweep. Teach them how to use a dustpan. Your kids ought to know how to mow. You daddies work 40 and 50 and 60 hours a week and then you, have, you got two or three youngins at home and then you have to come home and you have to do all the mowing and all the weed eating and all the raking and all that. Hang that, brother. Hang that. Oh, no. You teach your boy how to fill up a gas tank, how to crank the lawn. Yes, sir, good neighbor. And teach your son how to get out there and mow the yard and teach him how to weed eat and teach him how to clean up and teach him how to blow leaves and rake leaves. And uh, amen, brother, teach him those domestic chores. I'm talking about washing windows. Aren't we having fun tonight? Amen. I'm talking about doing laundry. I'm talking about picking up toys. I'm talking about making up the bed. I'm talking about preparing a meal. It is a shame that we have teenage girls that are 15 and 16 and 17 years old and don't even know how to do a load of laundry. Yeah, right. Dishes will stack up three feet high in the sink because the dishwasher is broken. God help us. Yeah. We made it before dishwashers. Yeah. We've got dishwashers right here. We use our son, but I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't, I don't care a lick about that. I just soon put them in the sink and wash them. Teach your kids how to do domestic chores. Did you know the kids have a greater appreciation for something they have to take care of? But we notice something else here. We notice they were not only under tutors, they were also under governors. Now, don't forget what we said. That's a treasurer. Well, oh, this is a good point. Don't, don't miss this. They were put under that treasurer which means that they were taught that you get what you work for. Under this system, they were taught the importance of money. Oh, man. Where are we at in America? Right. 
Give me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And we've been doing that. And now it's give me more, give me more, give me more. You, you, you boys, especially you teenage boys, and amen, you boys, I love you tonight, but you teenage boys, don't stand around waiting for a handout. If you're an able-bodied young man and you got two legs and two hands at work, man, go out and get you a job. You say, preacher, I don't have a car. Do you have a bicycle? I started my first job when I was 15 years old. My daddy helped me get it. He took me down to the local dairy farm. That's my first job was milking cows at the local dairy farm. I did not have my license. And we milked about 4 a.m., and my dad did not take me. I got up in the morning and I got on my 10-speed bike and I rode my 10-speed bike to the job at four o'clock in the morning and we milked cows and then later that night I'd ride my 10-speed bike back and we'd milk cows again and I'd ride my 10-speed bike home and uh, what are you talking about, preacher? Don't be waiting for a handout. And since I'm on that, let me say a word here. Be careful about getting used to government stimulus checks. Somebody's got to pay for that. And man, we're just giving out money left and right. Y'all want some? Come on, we'll give you some. Y'all, hey, y'all want? Come on, we'll give you some. And when we're just giving out money left and right. And everybody's like, yeah, this is awesome, man. Look what Joe Biden is doing. Let me tell you what's let me tell you what's going on. We are getting ready to be in the biggest mess you've ever seen. Let me tell you what's dangerous. Now, I know you say, preacher, but those stimulus checks are so nice. I know. Let me tell you what's dangerous about stimulus checks. When the government's giving out money, giving out money, giving out money, guess what happens? The American people get used to it. And then the government can say, jump through this hoop, jump through this hoop, jump through this hoop, and if you don't, we won't give you your stimulus check. And America is going to line up, my dear friend, and do whatever the government says to do, all because of the almighty dollar. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says it like this, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 12 now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse number 11, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. First Timothy chapter five, verse number eight, but if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, what's this system teaching us? That it's right to get a, a job and it's right to work. We see the importance of humility. We see the importance of an honest day's work. We're done tonight. But last of all, we see the importance of having to wait. Now, you're in Galatians 4. Turn there real quickly before we, before we bring this to a close tonight because this is so important. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now I say that the heir, look at this phrase, as long as he is a child, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Look at verse 2. But as under tutors and governors, look at this, until the time. 
appointed of the Father. Father, you know what the Bible's saying here? Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait. Kids ought to be taught to wait. I want it now. I want it now. I got a word for you. Tough. Just because you want it now doesn't mean you get everything you want when you want it. But we live in that, we live in that generation, that instant. Everything's instant. And what the Bible is teaching us here is this, the importance of having to wait. You have to wait. You have to wait to accumulate possessions. So now every, every 20-year-old wants what mom and daddy had when they're 50. So mom and dad are driving a nice caddy. And the kids, when they're 20, want to drive a Cadillac like mom and dad are driving when they're 50 or 60. And here's what I'm preaching tonight. You may have to drive a Ford Pinto for a while before you get your Cadillac. Can I get an amen right there? Uh, you know, we told some young people this week, I can't, I can't remember, we, but we, we, you know, the Lord's blessed us, and man, I got a beautiful truck out there tonight, and it, it's awesome, and I thank God for it, and all that kind of thing, but if you could have seen some of the vehicles that we drove when we were young, I'm talking about jalopies. Am I exaggerating? I'm talking about junkers, man. I'm talking about hoopties. That's what they used to call them, hoopties. I'm talking about cars that wouldn't even go in reverse. You better make sure that you pull in there right because if you need to back out, you're in trouble. Sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you have to wait to be successful. Hey, fellas, hey, young men, that means this. You may have to start at the bottom, work your way up. You say, my old man makes a killing. Well, number one, he's not your old man. And number two, your daddy makes good because your daddy has stayed in there and stuck with the stuff and worked his way up the ladder. You may not start out with benefits. You may not start out with high salary. It is craziness. We are so crazy in the head. Kids are going, filling their applications, and they're saying, we'll start you out 17 bucks an hour and give you a signing bonus. And kids won't even show up to a job making 17 bucks an hour. And I want to say, are you kidding me? Man, if you knew what I made when I started my first job, it was crazy low. I mean, listen, it was chump change. But my daddy said, you get in there and you work that job, don't you quit. You stay with it and you stay with it. And don't let, the, uh, don't let the boss man see you sitting down. And he said, if you, if you get done with your job, I can hear my daddy saying this, you get done with your job, uh, go get a broom. Start sweeping. Start sweeping. Don't ever let the boss man see you sitting down. Uh, be there early. Stay late. Don't get there late. Don't be tardy. Get there early. While you're there, work. Hey, this, is, this is like speaking Spanish tonight, isn't it? People are like, preacher, could you, could you, could you like, get us a translator tonight? You know, what, what does this mean? It means get you a job. That's what it means. 
You have to wait to be successful. You have to wait to accumulate possessions. Tell you something else. You have to wait for the benefits of marriage until you're married. Intimacy comes after marriage. Not before. I don't care what the sitcom says. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care, respectfully, I don't care what Joe Biden says. I know what my Bible says. And there, there are certain things that we are to wait on. Hey, parents, what kind of lessons are you teaching your children? I found this, J. Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover, who helped found the FBI in 1935 and served there, by the way, talking about longevity, and served with the FBI until 1977 said this, and I quote, in the breakdown of the American home, there's been a steady lessening of parental supervision, a parental understanding, a parental courage, and an increase of parental laziness, whereby the sins of these parents are being visited upon the children, and the children are paying for those sins of omission by committing 17% of all the crime committed in America. That's been a long time ago. So I thought I'd fast forward a little bit. In 2018, there were 192,000 serious crimes committed by youths. Are y'all ready? Between the ages of 12 and 17. You know why? Parents have just let their kids do what they want to do. Y'all on your own. Hope you turn out well. And you know what we need? We need some parents to rise up again yes. and say, you know what? As Brother Seth preached this week, we're not going to let Pharaoh raise our kids. We're going to raise our kids. This story was published by the Gospel Herald. I just thought this might apply to somebody or help somebody. And it went like this. Only a few weeks ago, a fine Christian woman who, was known, who has known the Lord only seven years, the widow of a millionaire said to me, pray for my boy, pray for my girl, they have no interest in the things of God. I can never get them to hear the word of God. They're courteous and polite if I bring a servant of the Lord to my home, but they will allow no one to say a word to them and they will not read the Bible. And then she added, the worst of it is that they are, they are what they are because I brought them up that way. Until seven years ago, I lived the life that they're living. I led them in the path they're now going. A Bible was never opened in my home until my husband died and left me a broken-hearted woman surrounded with all the luxuries she had given me. And I was crying out for something that could help me. Christ came to me. Christ came to me, but it was too late to turn my children's steps in the right way. They are treading the path on which I started them. T'was a sheep, not a lamb, that went astray. In the parable Jesus told, t'was a grown-up sheep that wandered away from the ninety and nine in the fold, and out on the hilltops and out on the cold, t'was a sheep that the good shepherd sought, and back to the flock and back to the fold, t'was a sheep that the good shepherd brought. Now why should the sheep be so carefully fed and cared for still today? Because there is danger if they go wrong. 
they will lead the lambs astray. For the lambs will follow the sheep, you know. Wherever they wander, wherever they go. If the sheep go wrong and not belong, to the lambs are wrong as they. So still with the sheep, we must earnestly plead for the sake of the lambs today. If the lambs are lost, what a terrible cost some sheep will have to pay. Hey, this is all I'm saying. Let's take our homes back. Let's set the example, Mom and Dad. Let's be the parents we ought to be. Let's be the grandparents we ought to be. Man, let's don't just leave our kids to the world and hope that they turn out well. Oh, man. Let's invest in our homes and invest in our kids. And let's make sure by the grace of God that they turn out for the cause of Jesus. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I, I pray that you'll bring the increase from what was said tonight. Lord, I, I pray that you'll give us a young generation at Calvary Baptist Church that have a heart for the things of God. Lord, help us in teaching our children to be humble. Humble. Because one of these days, they're gonna have to humble themselves to a, a mighty God when they come for salvation. Help us to teach our children to respect the elders. Help us to teach our kids to respect leadership, to honor leadership. God, help, our, help, help us to teach our kids the importance of working a job, supporting their family, the importance of a good hard work ethic, of making our own way. God, tonight I pray that you would work in the hearts. Now, Lord, I'm preaching to some that don't even have kids yet, but they will. Lord, if you tell you're coming, it won't be too long they'll have kids in the home. Maybe tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd help a future mom and dad to come to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, when we do have kids, help us to rear them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Father, touch our homes tonight. I pray that you'll help us to turn out a generation that has a heart and a zeal for the Lord. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. I wonder how many are here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I, I know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. If you can honestly say that between you and the Lord, would you just slip your hand up right now? Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. That's great. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this. Is there one here tonight anywhere would say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? If I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Preacher, remember me. You'd slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Is there one anywhere tonight? Anywhere? Pastor, remember me. Remember me. I wonder tonight, maybe, if there's some mamas and daddies, maybe who just need to come to an old-fashioned altar and pray a hedge around your children. Maybe a dad that needs to come tonight and says, Lord, help me to be the daddy that I ought to be. Lord, I don't know how to do this. I've never done it before. I don't know how to do it. I need your help. 
Maybe a mom that would come tonight. Brother Seth said it right. The hand that rocks the cradles, the hand that rules the world. Maybe a mom would come tonight and say, Lord, help me to pour into my kids. Lord, help me to influence them for Jesus. Maybe some boys and girls tonight or some teenagers who need to improve your relationship with your mom and dad. Maybe you've not been respecting mom and dad like you need to. Maybe you sassed mom. Talk smart to dad. You say, I got away with it, preacher. They didn't, they didn't do anything. Well, you got away with it maybe from them and not from the Lord. And tonight, maybe a teenager needs to come and say, Lord, give me a better relationship with my mom and dad. Let's all stand tonight. Father, have the way in the invitation. Speak to hearts. And we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist will play. If you need to come, the altar is open tonight. You come and do business with the Lord as we wait just for a few moments. And we're going to sing here in just a minute. And if you need to come, you come tonight. All right? Oh, Lord, give us strongholds. Lord, help us to seek out those old paths again. Those old paths seem... They seem pretty ancient, but I'm going to be honest with you. They're pretty good paths. In fact, they're really, really good paths. Really good. What about it tonight? Would you come while we wait? Would you come? If you need to be saved, the altars are open. We're here to help you, here to pray with you. You come tonight while we wait, all right? open tonight. We're going to sing a chorus tonight before we go. You, you don't even need this on the screen tonight. But I thought this was fitting because we've been talking about the home and we've been talking about kids all week this week. Let's sing a verse or two of this before we go and then we're going to let you head to the house tonight. Let's sing it. Ready? Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so, little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. you. Well, I'm glad he loves us tonight. Amen. I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank you for being a part of the service. Don't forget Brother Brandon's meeting right over here on the piano side just for a moment tonight. And then don't forget also we have Miss Rhonda's book out here in the bookstore tonight and all the proceeds are going toward missions and so um, those are out there available for you. And hey, we hope you have a great, great week this week and 
And uh, amen. If you need us, you call us. Let's pray for one another. Let's lift up each other. Brother Tim, come on up here if you will. I'm going to let you pray for us tonight. And uh, you be safe going home. And we thank the Lord for the great day that he gave us today. Father, we thank you for your house. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that, Lord, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you that, God, we have the opportunity to hear it. But, Lord, I pray that each of us will leave conscious of the responsibility, Lord, that we have now to apply it to our lives. May we not be forgetful hearers deceiving our own selves, but God, may we take your truth, Lord, tonight and the responsibility that you've given each of us, Lord, to guide, nurture, protect, and Lord, lead the next generation. I pray that Lord will leave equipped by your spirit, Lord, to follow through. Thank you for this church, and I pray that God, you'll, Lord, give us a, a reach, Lord, into our community. May we shine the light of the gospel Thank you for the opportunities, Lord, that we're going to have coming up to do that. And I pray that, Lord, you'll be with each and every one of us as we go our separate ways. Give us strength throughout the week, Lord. Give us each an opportunity to share the truth of Jesus Christ, Lord, maybe with just someone that we work with, someone that's in our family, God, or someone we cross paths with in the public. Lord, may we take your truth to a lost and dying world. We certainly love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be children of the Most High God. Be with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.